And welcome back to another installment of Loss of Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed, making a comeback this week. And always joining me, my co-host, Wally Lukashensky, who held it down pretty damn well last week. I appreciate you, bud. Yeah, of course. Hey, you got that messed up throat, laryngitis, whatever it is. I gotta gotta look out for you a little bit, but it's good to have you back. We're not the same without having both of us here. Oh, you're being too kind. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty miserable. My voice sounded how Freddy Krueger's face looks. So I was pretty miserable. Uh, locked down in the bed for about four days. Um, blacked out curtains, video games. Um, had a couple edibles. Yeah, I was pretty miserable during that time. Oh, and I couldn't work either. So it's the it's the yin and the yang. A little uh, a little sick staycation, I guess, is all I needed. But to be honest with you, I was pretty upset because last week there is a lot of great games that you got to cover solo, and I was very jealous. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, it was a great week last week. It wasn't exactly the same to be able to talk about the Bears losing without you and then go figure we welcome you back with a Bears win which we'll get into but yeah it, it was a it was a blast of a week I'm, I'm also happy that I didn't have to endure any Jets talk so this is good this is good we'll move right back on and we'll we'll just talk about the Raiders losing to the Colts today instead before we hop into all the all the fun football talk that we have here we got to cover some of the funny stories that we've had for the past week since the last time you've heard well Wally speak but as well as myself James Harden, that man looks like me at the YMCA, ready to play some basketball, a little bit plump, but I can still J that three in your face. But man, he is looking chunky, Walter. Yeah, give him a couple weeks, he'll start looking like me, and then we're really going to have a troubling conversation here for James Harden. It was it was weird, because obviously he doesn't sound like he's very happy down there in Houston right now, but it makes you wonder how much of this is just like, he let himself go to get out? Or if this is just James Harden getting what we all have to deal with, the Coco coronavirus body. Because the coronavirus body, it ain't right. I know I've gained a few pounds. It's impossible right now. You're stuck in your house. You want to eat food. These guys are people, too. He's stuck in the strip clubs, eating the strip club appetizers. Eventually, it's going to catch up to James. Hey, it's all right. I've I've gained I've gained some pounds in, in quarantine. It's okay. Not because I have COVID, just because I'm a lazy piece of shit who doesn't like to cook. But sticking in the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo signs a max deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. How were you surprised that he ended up staying in Milwaukee? Because I thought he was going to be taking his talents to South Beach or at least somewhere, some big market team. But he ends up staying in Milwaukee. What were your thoughts? I was so pleasantly surprised. Just because, I mean, I, I was in Wisconsin for three years in high school, so I still have quite a few friends up there who are naturally Bucks fans. And, I mean, we're not used to seeing this. When guys of Giannis's caliber decide to stay in a small market, that doesn't happen, especially in the NBA. So a very pleasant surprise, and hopefully Milwaukee is able to surround him with a little bit of talent and, who knows, maybe return a championship to the great state of Wisconsin. Well, the Packers are going to be able to do that this year, but we will we will get to that eventually. I'm actually not very serious. But on some horrible news, this one hit really close to me. Tommy Lister, a.k.a. Debo from Friday, passing away this past week at just, just at the tender age of 62. In college, every single Friday for about a two, two-and-a-half-year span, me and my then-roommate Jordan Buds would watch Friday every single Friday after we got off work. We would just chill, watch that, laughed our ass off every single time. And, of course, Debo was one of our favorite characters. So watching him die off, which seems like there's a lot of those characters. You had the dad, Ice Cube's dad that passed away. 
a bunch of small, small roles from actors in that movie. But Debo, this one hurts. This one hurts, Walter. He's one of the best movie villains we had really growing up, especially when we're going into the it was one of the first movies I feel like our generation got to see is kind of like transitioning into an adult. And it just kind of really hurt to, to see this news. Yeah, you talked about Ice Cube's dad also passing away. I'm not sure what that man's actual name is. But either way, those were both brutal losses. Great characters, a great movie. And yeah, I mean, Debo and Tommy Lister will be sorely missed by many. And for the record, it is John Witherspoon that played Mr. Willie Jones. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you, you he's the, telling he's, me that. I felt he's like- the one drilling the most legendary lines. We ain't got no milk. You better put some water in that damn shit. I'd stay out of the bathroom 35, 45 minutes. I've been smelling your shit <laughs> for 22 years. You can smell mine for 15 minutes. That is my <laughs> It's man. just a great movie. It, it really is one of the best. It's on, like when you go back and watch it, it honestly isn't all that great acting wise, but it's just a cult stoner comedy like a half-baked this is right in that realm with it like a grandma's boy stuff like that and this was just a in my in my heart growing up this was just a classic for me and i i even remember watching next friday and friday after next growing up and those were absolutely hilarious so this sucks lost them too too young 2020 just keeps getting worse but to end on at least a funny note <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how to get into this one, Wally. So China's Aviation Authority just released the new COVID-19 safety guidelines or protocol that they want, obviously, for their flight attendants and for their pilots. So this brilliant new idea that they have, well, they have multiple, but this one really stood out to me. They're going to encourage and recommend that their flight attendants wear diapers instead of using the facilities that all of the other people on the plane are using. So they're taking away risk. Wally, are you on the first flight out to China to sign up to be a flight attendant so you're able to wear a diaper freely finally? I'm just saying, this is obviously a great idea because we have a problem in the States wearing masks. No one's going to put a mask on faster than when flight attendant Johnny walks by and drops a deuce because he's not going into the bathroom. You want to, You think that we have a problem with masks right now? Start having people wear diapers. Everyone's going to have them on. Great idea, China. I applaud you. So would you like a Sprite or Coke with that? Yeah, be like, give me one second. I, I'm just – I'm finishing up right now. You know what? Like, just like right there in the aisle. You know what? I actually have to use this less napkin. Let me go run to the back and get you some more. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing. I never expected to see anything like it. I mean it's clear you can see what they're trying to do. But wow, yeah, that's a – I mean, it's the state of the world we're in right now that that's a legitimate idea that's getting raised. China. So I, I don't really have anything else to say. I'm clearly, yeah, I got, I, I got nothing. I really have nothing on that story. Well, when we were talking about it, you know, obviously prior to, to hitting the old REC button, you're like, man, this would never fly. I'm like, well, here, no, but in China, that's definitely a way, definitely something that they would do. Just to, like, like you thought, you automatically thought it was just a cutout wasting time that <laughs> it's more time to focus on the people it's that it's a uh, you know safety for the flight attendants to not not take you know shits in the public but just to shit on themselves and defecate on themselves and then be around multiple other people in an enclosed area miles above us <laughs> but i don't know <laughs> i don't know i work in mortgage i'm not a flight attendant i'm not a pilot i don't have to deal with that thankfully so we're 
we're kissing that one goodbye. And we're finally moving on. Let's get down to some football, Walter. I think that's why everyone's here, not talking about flight attendants in China shitting themselves, serving nuts and Coca-Cola to people. So we, you know you got to start off with the hair of the dog. And who else better we start this segment off with than Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, Wally's boy, big TCU guy, I guess, getting his revenge when Dallas travels to Cincinnati, giving him the whooping. End up winning, what was it, 30 to 7? 30 to 7, yeah. Not even a game. Andy Dalton, 185 with two touchdowns, really flexing to his other team, who they let go. Yeah. So there's really nothing much to talk about this game. The Bengals are just an absolute dumpster fire, and tanking is the best way that they can go for the rest of the season because you're going to get a top three pick if you continue doing it. So anything that you want to take away from this game, Wally? Well, for one, if there's ever been a testimony to how good Joe Burrow is, these last four weeks without him should do it. The Bengals, since losing Joey Burrow, their offensive points have been 9, 10, 7, 7. You, you physically can't win in the NFL with numbers like that. Joey Burrow has already proven how much he can elevate a very, very bad offense. I mean, this is a, a, a team with one of the worst offensive lines in the entire NFL. Not only was Joey Burrow able to go out there and compete with teams. He was able to knock a few off. And who knows, these last few weeks, I, I have a difficult time believing the Bengals wouldn't have a couple more wins to show for in such a difficult season. As for the Cowboys and Andy Dalton first, he's a good guy. Andy Dalton's always been a great philanthropist down there in Cincinnati. And, and the people gave him a warm response. I wasn't really sure how to see or how to, it would happen when he came back. But there were banners everywhere signs, standing ovations, people applauded him. And I think that's what they really should have done. Yeah, they didn't get over the, the the next step with Andy Dalton, but he gave their all or gave his all for nine years to that city and to that franchise. And he will be remembered fondly. And I'm glad that they were able to figure that out quicker uh, rather than later. But yeah, Cowboys, they're not really anything special either. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Do the Cowboys have any chance no, I'll just stop you right there. Yep, Absolutely good. not. Absolutely not. They're dead. I don't even know why they're still fighting, honestly. They should be taking the route that the Bengals are and just kind of tanking and getting a top five, top ten pick. Do you need someone on that defense for the Dallas Cowboys? This whole year without Dak is just making him richer. And without him, they are nothing. They're just another 4-9 team in this league. Just like the Texans, who just got steamrolled by the Chicago Bears. Absolutely embarrassed. Chicago was seven sacks on Deshaun Watson, which is the most Chicago's had since 2005. And Trubisky finally proving the haters wrong that Chicago got it right in the draft with picking him instead of Deshaun Watson. Oh, man. I'm kidding. The Bears are shit. Texans are worse. Wally, what do you take away from this game? Well, I will be the first to actually say it for us. Credit to Mitchell Trubisky. He had a solid game on Sunday. We're very oh, fuck very, off. Dude, we're very critical of him. It's only fair to be be, I guess, respond with positivity when he deserves it. The guy went 24 of 33, 267, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And yeah, what happened in this game, we got to see it's kind of been the recipe for the Bears when they have been successful this year. They got an early lead and they let that team kind of settle into a game. You don't ask Mitch Trubisky too much. They score on that 80-yard run by David Montgomery very early in the game. All of a sudden, you don't have to ask Mitchell Trubisky to do anything that special for you. 
And I mean, look at it. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky didn't do anything too wrong in this game that's going to cost him going forward. Six and seven, they are very much alive now in the wild card hunt. I don't think they get there. You know, I'm very low on this team. I think this is more of a statement on Houston's really just given up on this season without Will Fuller, without a DeAndre Hopkins this year now. Uh, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. There's nothing really he can do. And we just get to see it week in, week out now. He's got to get out of Houston. He has to. This is this is brutal. Only positive thing I can say about Houston right now is there's rumors going on that Houston is trying to interview Lewis Riddick for the GM job. And if that's true, I would really like that. I think Lewis Riddick is an outstanding football mind and you already can see with the Raiders with Mike Mayock going into television and hiring a personality has actually proven that it is possible to work. So if there's someone out there that can do it, I think Lewis Riddick is that guy. Yeah, and I mean David Montgomery is the heartbeat of this team. Like, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky had he had a solid game, like you said, twenty four of thirty three, two sixty seven, and the three touchdowns. But David Montgomery, the kid's been averaging hundred yards and a touchdown these last three games, and has been holding this team. You know that eighty yard run. You know, obviously, I mean, if you look at the scoreboard, I don't think that eighty yard run was really going to matter. But that's what capped off. You know, that was the pop for the champagne flowing everywhere in that game because once it started raining, it started pouring. Uh, for the Texans, and Chicago was pouring it on there for him. So, unfortunately, Chicago's still in the playoff hunt. I hate, I hate to say it, but that's what I love about having the seventh, you know, the seventh seed in here, another wild card spot. It gives teams like this, an, you know, an opportunity to show themselves. Because to be honest with you, this Chicago's Bears team can be scary if they get hot at the right time. Because that defense is good, but they're just on the field so much. If you minimize their time on the field. That defense is scary. Between you got Khalil Mack, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, you know, Hakeem Hicks. I mean, they're loaded up front. They're just gassed all the time. So I'm hoping that they're not going to limp into the playoffs because they can cause some problems. But for right now, fuck you, Adam Alfonso, and you guys aren't doing shit. So we're going to head down south, actually. I thought I was gonna. I thought we were heading out west, but the Broncos stealing one from Carolina. Wally can kiss the ring, kiss the toes, kiss the feet, kiss everything, because he was calling me stupid when I wasn't face to face with him last week for taking the Broncos. But here we are with the Broncos taking a dub. Drew Locke with four touchdowns and two hundred and eighty yards. He is still dancing, which Wally hates. Carolina, obviously, always keeping it close. Just cannot get it done because lack of their stars being on the field. Anything to go with this game? Well, honestly, yeah. Good for Drew Locke. I hope he continues to dance. Five and eight's great, man. Celebrate all you want. But I have to give him a little credit, too. If I'm giving credit to Mitchell Trubisky, it is fair that I give Drew Locke the same amount of credit. Similar to what Mitch Trubisky did. He's not a guy that you and I are very high on or believe that he is the future of that franchise. But he went 21 of 27, 280, four touchdowns and no picks. He did what he was supposed to do to win this game. And credit to him for that. Credit to the Broncos for that. But for, the, for I mean, this game, this is two teams that are out of it. You just talked about how great it is that we expanded to seven teams in the playoffs. And I agree because you have games like that last one that means something that usually wouldn't. We need to expand to like 12 teams if we're going to get Denver involved. So this game didn't matter. There's really nothing to take away for either one of these teams. This is simply a... Let's try to figure out what we're going to do going forward, who has jobs going in next year, and what are we going to do in the offseason to improve our team, both offensively and defensively. A team that really would like 
to figure out what they're going to do going forward is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're 1-12 now after getting shit-pumped by the Tennessee Titans this last week at home. Derrick Henry went off, had 215 rushing yards. He's always owned the Jaguars. He always seems to do well in division as well. But yeah, now that all of a sudden the Titans and the Colts, they're in a real heated match to see who's going to win the AFC South. And it looks like whoever doesn't will get into the playoffs. We'll see if that continues to look that way. But I guess for you, what what was your major takeaways in this game? Or, or are there any takeaways? Because this is a game that you and I both felt pretty good that the Titans were going to go in there and roll over this bad Jaguars team. Yeah, like I said in the in the like little comments when I left for the bets to go over last week, Derrick Henry has made his living off these divisional games, and he proved right there. 215 and two touchdowns. Man is a absolute machine. Also, shout out to Derrick Henry. Huge fan of the show, surprisingly. Uh, helped me with my first playoff fantasy win this year. So I'm pretty pumped. Shout out Zach Karens. Happy belated birthday, bud. Loved giving you that ass whooping on the day of your birth. Sorry I had to do it, but that's fantasy football. There's really nothing. Obviously, the Jaguars suck. The Titans look like they're getting that game together. You're expecting a game like this from Derrick Henry after only being held to 60 yards the week prior when they faced the Cleveland Browns and absolutely got their shit pushed in last week. Now, this is interesting. Who can win this division? You got the Titans playing the Lions, Packers, and Texans the last three. And then for the Colts, they're playing the Texans, the Steelers, and the Jaguars. So I feel like these are pretty even schedules. But I'm going to give it to the Tennessee Titans. I think that they're actually going to pull it out here in the division and take that W because they're going to they're going to beat the Lions. I think they're going to, they're going to go three zero, ultimately ending the season four zero after getting spanked by the Browns. And talk about a dangerous team that you don't want to face in the playoffs and when January comes around, especially when you got Derrick Henry going. If you want to talk about getting back on track, though, Russ decided he wanted to get back in the kitchen and cook up a little bit. Puts a 40-piece against the New York Jets. Jets only put up three. That was a stupid bet on my end. But I'm going to take the Jets points the rest of the year because they just have to at least get one. They got so close. Regardless, Russ comes back with four touchdowns. Only 206 yards. Does throw an interception. But they're back nonetheless. Do you need a game like this after getting spanked by the other New York team just to get the confidence back and get rolling here? What do you? Yep. Is there any big takeaways from this game you think, Wally? Or is this just the Seahawks beating the shit out of the worst team in the NFL? I mean, for the most part this year, the Jets have proven to be that team for the others in the NFL to get back on track. And the Seahawks did kind of need one of these games, it felt like at least. They, they've been a little just kind of mediocre basically since the first month and a half of the year they started so hot and they've kind of just been hit and missed this last like six seven games or so so yeah this was a big one especially now when you consider that that Seahawks Rams game is quickly approaching and that is going to be the NFC West championship game and yeah so having momentum having a little bit of confidence is a huge thing and also uh, oh, I'm not going to mention the Jets. Sorry, I don't think too many people want to hear about them. But Jamal Adams, uh, he gets to play his former team, and he's up now. He sets the NFL record for most sacks in a season by a defensive back with eight and a half. I'll have more on this later when we get to the Raiders because it just proves the ineptitude there. That's amazing. I he we know that he's basically a linebacker, but even linebackers eight and a half sacks would be ridiculous. So Jamal Adams continues to prove that he's a freak of nature, and Seattle probably made the right choice to go out and get him. 
Steven, I see your hand up. What do you have to add to that? Okay, yeah. So, like, like Jamal Adams is playing great ball. He's aggressive. He just fits in that in that organization. Now, do you still think, looking back on this now, do you still think the Seahawks won this trade even though they gave up two first-round picks? It's. I think it'll, a lot will tell here in a few years once those trades come out. It's tough before those happen. It's a lot like, I know that I go back to the, the, the Raiders a lot, but when you look at the Khalil Mack trade at face value before you look at who eventually came back to the Raiders, it's one of the worst trades in NFL history. It now with when you look at the players that did come back from the Raiders, you still would rather you we want a guy like Khalil Mack. He's one of the best pass rushers ever, but at least the Raiders maximized the return. So you're like, okay, you know what? Yeah, you gave up a ton, but now you have three guys that are playing for that one guy effectively. So we'll see how the Jets do. I mean, the Jets really haven't proven to be great drafting talent evaluators. So yeah, if you go burn two first round picks. I don't care if it's a number one overall pick or the last pick in the draft. It equals the same thing if it's a nobody. But for right now, if the Seahawks do well in the playoffs with that defense, I, I guess you have to just evaluate it from your own building. And I think Seattle's very happy to have Jamal Adams. Matt Ryan, Matty Lice. I'm trying I'm trying to, you know, coin that term here because he's got you scratching your head, you know, like you have lice. When you guys have lice, um, it, Makes your head really itchy. It gets in your hair. It's a whole thing. I just watched a documentary on it. You guys should probably check it out. But Matt Ryan throws a fucking interception with 30 seconds left. I I can't even control myself. I was watching this game, and I was like, my God, could you imagine being an Atlanta fan every single week? It's a, new, it's a new heartbreak. It's like what Chris Collinsworth always has to say out of his stupid mouth every Sunday night football. Well, you know, I've been broadcasting this game for 30 years now, and I see something new every game. Matt Ryan knows how to fuck up a game, and the Falcons know how to fuck up a game every single way. Throws an interception. Charges end up going down, kicking a field goal to win it as time expires. How are the Falcons going to lose this week, Wally? See, and this was a crazy game going into it, too, where you have two teams that just insist on blowing close games. So this was awesome as a fan of neither team to sit back and be like, who's it going to be? Who's going to get their heart broken today? Because you know one of them will. And you're, yeah, and the Falcons were the ones to do it. You're up 17-10 at half, and you don't score another point with that offense the rest of the game? That's amazing. And I mean, both of these teams have been so underwhelming and so disappointing this year. There's a very good chance by the end of the season, both teams will have lost their head coach. I mean, obviously the Falcons already have. And then Anthony Lynn looks like there's a very good chance he's on his way out. I don't think there's a lot to take away. I am excited to see how both of these teams, not just the Falcons, find a way to blow this next week. Steven, I see your hand up, though. What, what, what's going on in your mind right now? So, so Wally, you have Atlanta yet. You have the L.A. Chargers. If you switch Justin Herbert into Atlanta, would they be a better offense? I have been not very high on Matt Ryan through most of his career, which I know a lot of people are very, very high on. I just can't get hyped up for a guy that has the coined nickname Matty Ice. Ice in his blood, ice in his bones. And the guy doesn't win big games. Where does this come from that we give him this nickname, we give him all this praise and adoration when in reality, what's he done in his career? The one year they go to the Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan, they're up 28-3. to We all know how that ends because we never hear the end of it. And I, I just 
I'm not very high on Matt Ryan at all. So, yeah, I think if Justin Herbert goes in right now, I think the Falcons are right in the mix of a wild card. So I, well, you you asked me the question. I kind of want to hear your answer. Are you kind of in the same school of thought where you think Herbert would be a two or three win difference for this Falcons yeah, team? Absolutely. Or do you think Matt Ryan's – I think that this could be – yeah, two or three wins better. I was going to go as far as saying you know 500, but I think that's even kind of pushing it. He has the worst defense in Atlanta, but I think with the weapons that he has in Atlanta versus you know in L.A. Granted, L.A. has very good weapons – between Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then you got Austin Eckler in the backfield, who's went on the field is pretty solid. I think that Justin Herbert would be so much fun to watch in that offense. Getting out of the pocket, which Matt Ryan has no idea how to do at the age of 35. He's a 35-year-old white male. Of course he cannot run out of the pocket. When have you ever seen anyone be able to do that in the NFL? You can't. Have you seen Tom Brady run? Even when he was 25, he could not get out of that pocket. So I think that'd be really fun. Him just dropping dimes to Julio, Calvin Ridley. Then you got Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield for you. And even Russell Gage, who's putting a solid, you know, second, third year in the league in here. They have weapons. I think it'd be a lot fun to have Justin Herbert in there just for shits and gigs. Because at this point, we've, we've seen the Matt Ryan ex- experiment, and it's just not fun anymore. Definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's literally what Matt Ryan is doing with the Falcons. And I'm donezo with it. And as you can tell by the sound here, that will signal the end of Hair of the Dog. We are going to get down to the real games that we are here to listen for. We're going to kick it to the Thursday night game where the Rams defense absolutely shut down the Patriots. On top of Cam Akers, the Rams running back going off for 171 yards. And Jared Goff adding 137 yards in the air and just a touchdown. Nothing spectacular that this Rams offense did, but great team game. Shut down Cam Newton, who's only held to 135 total yards. How great is this Rams team looking, Wally? The Rams look very good. I, I mean, all of a sudden, this team legitimately, to me, be the most complete team in the entire NFC. You have a great defense And I don't really like Jared Groff. You've heard us harp on that, or at least me harp on it, for a lot of this year. But I really, really respect and like Sean McVay. And it's clear McVay is able to figure out how to make this offense click, even when Jared Goff's not clicking himself. And you saw it this last week. Yeah, they only had 17 offensive points. But the Patriots defense, yeah, it's not what we're used to, but it's not that bad. But yeah, this Rams team, if they beat Seattle, they end up having home field for at least a couple games in the playoffs this year. I think there's a a very good chance they come out of the NFC. And the way their defense is set up, I think they are probably one of the few teams in the league that could at least pose a matchup problem with Kansas City. Now, on the other side, New England, let's see what they decide to do going forward here. This is a very big couple weeks for not only Jared Stidham, but Cam Newton. Is Cam Newton, are we watching the last days of him being an NFL starting quarterback I think there's a very good chance of it. And who knows, Jared Stidham's also playing for a contract in his own regard. So let's see if he's able to possibly get a contract, even as a backup, to just extend that career a little longer. But Steven, you also got to see in this game Aaron Donald with another 12 and a half sacks this year. The guy's unbelievable. You've been high on him all year. Do you still think this is the best team in the NFC? Or do you think that they might have a little bit of a hole here or there? I mean, obviously the hole is Jared Goff, 
He has the most turnovers since he's entered the league. I think the next person closest to him is Daniel Jones, and he has like a year and a half, two years on Danny Jones, which in that regard, Danny Danny Jones is only like two or three away, which is even embarrassing. Regardless, Jared Goff, the man, the most expensive price tag in the store is the is your biggest problem here. They have a two, three-headed running monster. That defensive line led by Aaron Donald is absolutely extraordinary, obviously mostly because of Aaron Donald. And then you got a lockdown guy in Jalen Ramsey, as well as they got another rookie in here that's playing out of his mind right now. This Darius Williams guy, if I'm not mistaken, is also playing some pretty damn good ball opposite side of Jalen Ramsey. So this defense is scary. Anytime you can get a pass rush and a lockdown corner, you are made to make a run. But outside of that, the Patriots look brilliant after the contract that they have with Cam Newton. Everyone was just like, oh, whoa, how is Cam Newton only making a million dollars after his first two games? And he did well. And this is why you signed him to the league minimum. Guess they don't look that dumb now. I'm done with Cam and the Patriots. The Rams, I'm still very high and They are going to be my NFC pick for the Super Bowl. But obviously the AFC pick that we're going to be sticking here with, your Kansas City Chiefs, Wally. <laughs> Squeak right past the Dolphins. Barely, barely squeaked past the Dolphins. Pat Mahomes throwing three interceptions. But it's also paired with uh, 393 yards and two touchdowns. Chiefs win the West after winning this game. Are they gonna, Are they just clearly the Super Bowl favorite? Are there problems with this Chiefs team? Because, like I said, they squeaked away from this Dolphins team when they had, they, they had them dead in their rights. You keep hearing me say it week in and week out about this team being bored. It feels like they're coasting, and I 100% stand by that. They fall behind 10-0 early in this game. Patrick Mahomes is having one of the worst games of his entire career. And what happens? You blink, and the Chiefs score 30 straight points in the span of like 15 football minutes. Unbelievable. And they were up 30-10 to at that point. And until the fourth quarter, they maintained the 30-10 to lead. And the Dolphins, yeah, they had a little bit of a, a push at the end. But what do the Chiefs do? They got pushed back up against the wall, gave up 14 unanswered. All of a sudden, they have to get a first down, or you give the ball back to two with a chance to win the game. What does Patrick Mahomes and his team do? They walk effortlessly down the field. They ice the game with a field goal. They get out of there with the win, and they are the clear best team in the AFC for me. They won the AFC West on Sunday. Now it's turning into simply, are they one or are they two? Are the Steelers going to find a way to win out and possibly push the Chiefs? To, to to play like at a high level or rest probably not to me. I think the Chiefs now they're coasting with the buy in home field. And if you only make this Kansas City Chiefs team play two games in the postseason, that's a disaster recipe. And I'm ready to walk into Arrowhead Stadium, especially when it's going to be 15 degrees and snowy. And even if there's only 7,000 fans, you know that place is very difficult to play. Now the question I have for you, Stephen is with the Dolphins now falling to 8-5, and five, you see the Ravens with a big win. You see the Colts with a big win. Are the Dolphins going to end up on the outside looking in? So, yeah, I think Miami can potentially be that team that's going to be in the outside looking in. Because like you said, all of a sudden the Ravens had a great game. Obviously, we're, we're going to get to that great game here. And they're starting to put it together. But – Miami's last three games, they play the Patriots, they play the Raiders, they play the Bills. They're for sure losing at least one of these games between the Raiders or Bills, but they can lose both those games. They can lose two out of three to end the season. But as for the Ravens, they're playing the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. 
I think the Ravens have a better chance of going the two out of the three or the clean sweep here, beating New York. I think New York is going to cause problems, regardless of what happened this past week. Again, we're going to get to that. But I think the Ravens have the best shot for the clean sweep, ultimately getting them into the playoffs, which sucks because we had a great time watching Miami and Tua, and that's kind of heartbreaking for it to end like that for them. Yeah, it is. But at the same point, we were very high early in the year, and we kept just doing the – Hey, you know what, Miami? Yeah, they're going to end up 5-11, 6-10. Look at us now. But they're going to end up in that 5-11, 6-10, but they're going to show you so many signs about next year. We didn't even have to wait till next year. They showed us the signs now. And giving to this team, I mean, there's no reason to expect Miami to not only be in the mix for wildcard next year. All of a sudden, look at Buffalo. Miami has a shot maybe to, to give Buffalo a run next year for the AFC East crown. Do I think that'll happen? I'm not sure, but it could. And I think if I am a Miami fan, I would be really fired up going into the future. Similarly, if you, we are going to flip it out West. The Arizona Cardinals, very much like Miami, going into this year, it felt like we are going to see a team that shows us glimpses, shows us a glimmer, and next year, look out. The Cardinals, similar to Miami, have shown the signs earlier than we expected. Kyler's been doing amazing things this year, and the Cardinals bounced back to beat the Giants. Deshaun Reddick, five sacks, three forced fumbles, completely dominated that uh, Giants offensive line. Giants aren't able to get anything going on, and all of a sudden now are on the outside looking again in the NFC East behind the Washington football team. You have two teams here that are both playing in the last three weeks for a shot, both teams, ironically, it's the uh, Giants playing for a division title. But I don't know. When I look at these teams, I don't know if I have either one really making the playoffs anymore the way the last month has gone. And it's so hard to to gauge these teams. The Giants, you know, they, they have that big win against Seattle here last week. They completely shit the bed when they have Daniel Jones back. He clearly isn't as healthy as they want him to be. The man could not move. He usually has wheels, and he was stuck in that pocket all day. As for the Arizona Cardinals, talk about trust issues. My goodness. This team will win four in a row, lose four in a row. Win three in a row, lose two in a row. Win three. I just cannot get engaged with them because when they're on, they are on. That offense is very, very hard to stop. As a Packers fan, I would not want to see that offense in the playoffs, regardless if it's in Lambeau or not, because Kyler Murray – Kenyon Drake would run all over us, and DeAndre Hopkins would take a fat shit on us. I, I, I can't trust either of these teams to have them in the playoffs as well, Wally. I'm kind of on you with this. But if Arizona's hot going into the playoffs, that's not a team that I'd want to face. And if they limp into the playoffs, that's a great, great first game for you to have in the wild card. Yeah, I guess when I look at the final three games where they play the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Rams, the Cardinals do have the game in hand right now over Minnesota. I suppose I would narrowly give it to them in the wild card, but you're right. The way we've seen them streak, there's legitimate chance. Every single one of those games, you could see the Cardinals losing. I don't. I would probably pick them to win two of the three, but I could see it going that way. So I can perfectly understand why someone would be a little iffy on them going forward. Now, talk about iffy. Dan Bailey over the weekend, three missed field goals, a missed PAT, and the Vikings lose by 12. The Buccaneers struggled at the start of this game. 
A lot of people, if you just look at the score, if you were just staring at the bottom score bug, you wouldn't realize it. But the Vikings were moving the ball very well early in this game, and it felt like every single time they had a chance to jump on the box and put a little bit of pressure on them, make Tom Brady play from behind, throw a lot, you'd have a missed field goal. You'd have a bad penalty. And this was a game you could not afford to have that happen if you're Minnesota. This felt like the game for me, at least. If you win, I'm riding them to the playoffs the way they played this last month. You beat a team like Tampa Bay, who a lot of people are picking to go deep in the playoffs. I'm, uh, You know me, I'm not very enthralled with this offense right now. But yeah, I, I guess you're the NFC North guy. This Vikings team, you want to talk about streaky. They start the year looking like a bottom five team in the league. They then turn around and they just go off. They figure out their identity. We preach identity on this show. Dalvin Cook in that run game has been there. What do this what does this Vikings team have to do to give us a consistent or consistently perform in the final three three games? And do you think there's a chance for them still to possibly get back into the wild card and then for the, the Buccaneers? What's going on there? Why does it feel like this team's just a little off? They're just not quite clicking. So for Minnesota, to your streaking point, they're not as streaky as the Arizona Cardinals. They started one and five, and now they're five and one since then. Sorry, five and two since then. So this team knows how to put it together. Classic, I feel like it's a classic Mike Zimmer team. They're either going to start off really hot and kind of tamper off at the at the end, or they start off really slow, and then they're all of a sudden one of the more dangerous teams in the NFC when end of December, early January rolls around. We saw it last year. We're obviously starting to see it again this year. That team is dangerous. Dalvin Cook can lead them. I mean, he put up over 100 yards against the best rushing defense in the league. Did not think that was going to happen. On top, Minnesota had the ball for almost 40 minutes to Tampa Bay's 20, and they still lost by 12. Obviously, those Dan Bailey field goals, aren't. if you add them all up, they're still not going to win you the game, but they change the game for you. Butterfly Effect, great movie with Ashton Kutcher. Check it out because without these missed field goals, this game could be completely different. We could be talking about an above 500 Vikings team that's looking more dangerous than what we're perceiving them as now. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't know what the hell is going on. Hindsight is 2020. I was very high on them, been high on them. You've been trying to talk me off the ledge here, and now I have to listen, unfortunately. It's just, let's chalk it up to another L to dream teams being put together because they just simply cannot work. Now, lack of offseason is obviously the number one question. We'll see who they bring back next year because they do have a whole nother year, which potentially could be fun, or we could just be sitting in the same boat a year from now. But Tampa Bay really isn't too scary. They definitely tampered off. They have they don't have any big wins except for the Packers. They barely beat the Giants. They're coming, they're coming back to earth. This has wild card weekend elimination written all over it. But Wally, I unfortunately have to bring this up for you now. You know we have to. It's inevitable that we had to, and we're gonna bring it now. My guy, Philip Rivers, and his 17 kids embarrassed absolutely embarrassed i'm not even gonna let up on you they fucking smacked you it was a seven point game your last vegas raiders fourth quarter but you know whatever it's not about how you start it's about how you finish and you guys clearly do not know how to finish well third take it away uh speaking of not being able to finish 
just uh, throw fact out I forgot to throw out last week. Derek Carr has the third most uh, last minute come from behind game winning or game tying drives in the Super Bowl era. Not a big deal. Uh, anyways, going into the next. Hey, part. how many times has he been? How many playoff games has he had? He should have had, or he was in one. Oh, okay. There it is. Continue his, your point. his ankle was literally off. And here's, you want to know why they're not? Pussy. You want to know why they don't make the playoffs? Because this team, I, I alluded to a few facts earlier. Jamal Adams has more sacks as a safety than our top two players on our team do combined. The Raiders defense is so inept. The fact it took this long for Paul Gunther to get fired, it, I, that's Don Gruden's most damning part of his second stint with the Raiders is not letting go of his buddy Paul Gunther before now. This is a team that is way too good to miss the playoffs. When the Raiders give up fewer than 30, I'm not saying 20, when the Raiders give up fewer than 30 points in a game, the Raiders are 5-0 and this year. This offense is doing so much, and it cannot help how terrible, terrible this defense is right now. I'm hoping to God the smoke is true on Twitter. Wade Phillips flirting a little bit with Raider Nation, talking about Raider fans and how they're all be overwhelmingly uh, basically annoying because that's what Raider fans are in his DMs. And, yeah, I get it. This team is a defense away. It feels very similar almost to what the Browns are. We'll get to them in a little bit. I got, I'm got. i going to give the Colts a little credit here first, though. This team – Came out, they played a, a great game. Their offense looked better this week than they had all year. They they at least made the Raiders' offense a little uncomfortable early on. But now, this was a game that the winner looked like they had a very good shot and the inside track to make the playoffs. Now the Raiders effectively have to win out, which is possible. They have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. But you are now in that position that no one wants to be in. You need help. You need help to get in the playoffs, and I don't think it's out there. I mean, the, the Ravens have a very easy schedule down the stretch. You now have a Colts team with a tiebreaker over you. I mean, you're going to effectively need something like the Browns imploding down the stretch or the Ravens losing to someone they have no business losing to, and I don't know if it's there. Man, go ahead. not too long ago were you just like, oh, man, we should get our – we should get our plane tickets for Tampa Bay to go see the Packers and the Raiders in the Super Bowl. You've completely changed your tone, Walter. Well, it's one of those things. As a fan, you, you know the movie. You just have to enjoy the ride the whole time. This is the same song and dance that the Raiders did last year, and you would leave that Broncos game a few weeks ago. At that uh, at that point in time, you are 6-3. and three. You welcome in the Kansas City Chiefs. You are a last-minute Patrick Mahomes touchdown drive away from being seven and three and the outlook on the season's completely different. Instead, you lose two very winnable games of the next three and it puts you in a position. Now you have to go down the stretch and win your final three games and crazy with seven playoff teams, 10 and six might not be good enough. And I know the number one team that doesn't want you in the playoffs are the Kansas city chiefs. So they're going to be rooting for you hard not to make it. So I'll, I, hey, I'm I'm rooting for you to make it. For just you know, just for the podcast, so we can have enthusiasm. Just so you're not just fucking Kirk Cobain depressed and sad the whole time we're recording after after they miss it or get you know get eliminated. So it's okay, Walter. I mean, we we have seen the Raiders now in the playoffs one time since 2002. In the year we made the playoffs, the Raiders were 12 and three when on Christmas Eve. 
Derek Carr's leg got obliterated, and we had to watch Connor Cook play a freaking playoff game. I won't be disappointed in the playoffs, Stephen, because I don't. I'm not used to being there anymore. Don't worry about me being Kurt Cobain. I'm already dead inside. But that's okay. We'll live through you. The Green Bay Packers go to Detroit. They go, and Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He beats another division foe. We're so used to seeing this. The Packers are right there. I believe you're number one in the NFC right now. You are, and you clinched your division. What a weekend for you. You own the tiebreaker over New Orleans because of the head-to-head. All you have to do is win down the stretch. How confident are you that you are going to be able to sit on your couch and watch other people be nervous and miserable the first playoff weekend while your team's just chilling out at home watching with you? So not an amazingly great game you know, from the great Aaron Rodgers. 290 with three touchdowns. Threw a rushing touchdown in there as well, so four total. Man is on fire. Man is the MVP of the league. You you can at me. You can DM me. You can text me. I will fight tooth and nail now. I am fully on board Aaron Rodgers as the MVP. You know, I've, I've even been skeptical about saying that. I was even going with Derrick Henry as the MVP. But a couple games down the stretch here since I've been saying that, he has been playing well. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Sure, he doesn't have the yardage that Pat Mahomes has, but he has more touchdowns and less interceptions than he does, and he's working with less. Aaron Rodgers is just that man. Aaron Jones has not been himself since he's came back from that calf injury. And Detroit played a very close game. I was nervous in my bed watching this game. When Mason Crosby iced the game with about three, three and a half minutes left with that 58-yard field goal, I want to say, that's when I felt a little confident. Now, Green Bay winning down the stretch, I do not see realistic. I think that the Tennessee Titans team that they play next week is going to cause them massive problems, and it's finally going to radiate my whole – everyone's going to finally see why I'm scared and why I don't believe Green Bay is going to do anything in the playoffs or even get to the Super Bowl. Nonetheless, maybe the NFC Championship game. But the Saints are playing the Chiefs this weekend. I'm very comfortable that the Chiefs can finally get that taken care of. That way – when we do lose the Tennessee Titans game, we're still going to be even with the Chiefs, but holding that tiebreaker, like you said. That is the best-case scenario. And like you said, everyone can come up to Lambeau. Drew Brees cannot throw a football outside. Tom Brady, yeah, I know you've been in Foxborough, but you love that Florida Heat, and you don't want to leave. As long as you don't have to see the Rams before the NFC Championship game, then I'm cool with it. NFC Championship game, get fucking embarrassed, get my heart ripped out again. For the third consecutive time, not third consecutive year, but third consecutive time that they've been in there. So I'm not very high. I don't know. Outsider looking in. What do you think about this Packers team? See, you know I've been high on on them, higher than you, which it's understandable. Being a a fan of your own team, you know typically more about them than the outsider looking in. It's just when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you have these elite, elite quarterbacks, I am going to give you a shot no matter what. Yeah, there are very there are there are plentiful and obvious holes on your team for a matchup similar to what we saw with the team last year, like San Francisco, or a team like maybe in a rematch uh, with New Orleans. So who, who knows how that'll look if you get anything out of Drew Brees, who was activated today from IR. Who knows? Maybe he just needed a little time, and maybe he looks a little bit more like his old self now. I think this Green Bay Packers team, if the cards align the right way or if the stars align the right way they could make a run but I think it's going to just take teams that 
get knocked off that would be bad matchups for you. You don't want to see Seattle. You don't want to see probably Tampa Bay again if if Tom Brady looks like he does or did against you guys the last time. I, I don't I don't want to be too high on them. You kind of make me worried about them. You have me kind of paranoid about the, the Packers now. But as of right now, they'll win the NFC in the regular season. Ten and one against team under teams under five hundred, oh and two against teams above five hundred. Those two teams, Colts and the Tempe Buccaneers, both playoff teams. Obviously, that Bucks loss is looking worse and worse by the week, but still does not give me any confidence that we could beat them outside of having them in Lambeau. Yeah, and um, but you guys do have one of the best players in the league. Ed, you called him the MVP. Funny enough, Derrick Henry's bad week. He had 215 yards rushing. He's pretty good. But he's well, I'm talking about his bad week, his 60-yard week against the Cleveland Brownies. All right, all right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, former MVP, we just talked about Drew Brees. He just got activated. Wonder if timing is a little questionable here just because – Makes sense when he gets what he gets activated immediately after Taysom Hill and the Saints go out and play a bad Philadelphia Eagles team and get embarrassed really on both sides of the ball. I know it was a three point game. I know the Saints had a a shot really late to to make that a game, but when you are supposedly a Super Bowl favorite, when you are the conference front runner, you cannot lose to a backup quarterback in Philadelphia. And I know. Doug Peterson, 11-2 with a backup quarterback in his career. He's a great coach. I get that. You can't lose to that team. It does not matter. And they went there and they lost. And they basically handed the Packers a free weekend right now. And it's going to take help for them to get that weekend back. And I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't have a lot of faith in Drew Brees. Credit to Jalen Hurts, I suppose. He looked he looked okay. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and make it seem like he's the answer in Philly. Because I simply don't believe he is. But if anything came out of this game, we know that Carson Wentz's days in Philadelphia seem to be numbered. Yeah, shout out to me because you're not going to shout me out. Philly plus seven. That is the one bet last week that Wally was absolutely laying into me. And now it's like I look like a fucking genius. No, this is perfect. They have no tape on Jalen Hurts. This is exactly how these games go all the time. How often do we see a backup quarterback come in, have a great game, and people are like, oh, what the fuck? The next remainder of it, they're mediocre. That's literally how Matt Flynn made his career in the NFL, was getting paid off contracts for having one good game with the Green Bay Packers like two or three times. He got two different contracts off that. Now, the biggest question mark here is the Saints are obviously a good team. You cannot lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, regardless of who is at quarterback. This is an embarrassing game. That defense was slacked. Jalen Hurts. First quarterback to get 100 rushing yards in their first start outside of Lamar Jackson. Those two are the only people to ever do it. Wow. I feel like Jalen Hurts put up amazing passing yards with only 167 and 17 of 30, but he didn't turn the ball over. And him running out of the pocket, opening up that, opens up Miles Sanders, who had a nice 14 touches, 115 yards, and two touchdowns to add on to that. Now for the Saints team, my biggest question mark is – how is this team going to play with all of their players in there? They haven't had Mike Thomas for a while. Now Drew Brees goes out. Alvin Kamara is the only consistent part of their offense outside of Emmanuel Sanders, and he, even he's been out for a couple weeks. So that's my biggest question mark is obviously this team is good, but they have, they have all have not had time on together since week one. 
So that is my biggest question mark. I don't think that they can. I don't think they're going to do anything. It's going to be another heartbreak for Drew Brees, and they're finally just going to be like, you know what, Drew? It's time to go, bud. We'll see you later. It's weird this year. I don't know if it's just me. So I kind of want to hear what you think too. This is the the year with the fewest amount of complete teams in the NFL that I can ever remember. Outside of Kansas City, there's really not any team where you can point to and feel supremely confident on both sides of the ball. It seems like every team has a glaring hole somewhere. Honestly, I think the Buffalo Bills, you know, their defense isn't as dominant as what as what we're used to. We're used to them being a defensive team and then just not being able to get it done offensively, where it's kind of flipped a little bit. But these past couple of weeks, this Bill team is looking good. They're, I mean, and offensively, since week nine, Bills have put up more points than the Kansas City Chiefs, have a better touchdown to intercept, interception ratio, better point differential, and a better turnover differential. I think that's the most complete team and the only team that will force Kansas City's hand and potentially cause them problems. But we're going to get to that Buffalo Bills team. But first, yeah, boy, the team you've been so high on. I'll give you some credit here, bud. Team that you've been riding through thick and thin this whole year, the Washington football team, and your boy, Mr. Chase Young, leading the Washington football team's defense to two touchdowns. Hell, they outscored their offense. Chase Young scoring a touchdown himself, uh, an amazing fumble recovery right before the end of the half that really gave the momentum to Washington, which obviously equated to them winning that game. Chase Young, he's the only reason that we're really talking about this. He's the difference between this game being here and not in the hair of the dog. But Chase Young is clearly the defensive rookie of the year, Walter. Uh, You know how high I've been on Chase Young since day one. I really like this team purely because of the defense. I've been hyping up Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. I mean, that's two very intelligent defensive mind on one side of the ball. You don't see that very often with guys of those pedigrees coaching on the same staff. And it's obviously paid dividends. I wish I could say the same thing about that offense right now. Yeah, Alex Smith, he hurt his calf this last weekend. Dwayne Haskins had to come back in. We'll see how long he's out. It's just a shame. That offense, if they had any kind of weapons whatsoever, I would at least give Washington somewhat of a puncher's chance against anybody, but that offense is so bad. They're going to run into a buzzsaw. It takes one off day from the defense, and this offense is simply not good enough. It is good enough, I believe, to win the NFC East, especially the way they've been playing. 4-0 and here this last uh, this last month. It's been a wild stretch. And all of a sudden, I mean, with that Giants loss, with the way they're looking, you have the Seahawks coming up. I think the Seahawks win. You have the Panthers and the Eagles. They should beat the Eagles. That Panthers game realistically might turn into the game that's going to decide the NFC East. I, right now... I'm going to go with Washington just because ride the hot hand. They know what's going. Dink and dunk on offense. Trust the offense to get it – or the defense to get the job done and hold the opponents. I don't know, though. It's just a weird team. You don't see teams like this in 2020. I I don't know what to make of them. But, yeah, Chase Young's the man. Niners, just get through this year. You guys have a great coach. Just fight through it. What do you have to add, Steven? Well, well, it's funny because you say that we don't really see too many teams this year, and we have two of them battling for the top spot of the NFC East. This division is boring as shit, but at least they're making it fun as hell to watch, you know? <laughs> to your point, you say, I'm going to go with Washington because they're the hot hand. Well, we decided to go 
the Giants last week because they had the hot hand. So we don't really know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Washington on this, but it's very close. It's very close. I think Washington is going to upset the Seahawks. Seahawks are gonna be scratching their head that we cannot beat the NFC East. Panthers, that's a toss up. Eagles got I got the Eagle or I got the football team all day here. And the Giants, I think they're they're gonna lose to the Ravens. It's it's gonna come right down. It's gonna come right down to it. I wish I wish that they were able to you know hindsight's twenty twenty to have the football team against the Giants the last game of the year. That would have been perfect. But with the Giants with the tiebreaker, this is gonna be tricky. I'm gonna just ride it with Washington. Keep it with all my homers who are riding with Chase Young as well, because that man is so much fun to watch. And we were alluding to this to this team here a little bit earlier, and we're finally to the game. Buffalo Bills defeating the Steelers, giving them their second consecutive loss on the year. But the Bills' defense holding the Steelers to only 224 total yards. This Steelers' offense does not look like they are in sync. A bunch of drops here the past two weeks, especially at the hands of Deontay Johnson as well as Eric Ebron. This team just simply cannot get it together offensively. What are your thoughts on this? Does this take away to how how highly you thought of the Steelers before, or is this just the Steelers team that we've seen all along? They're just getting, but they're just getting exploited now. Man, see, this is tough, just because I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers are better than what we've seen the last two weeks. But what it ultimately, to me, comes down to is they're not healthy anymore, and unfortunately, they're not going to be healthy the rest of the year. You lose Devin Bush for the year. You 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 lose Bud Dupree for the year. Then on top of that, you lose a guy like Spillane up the middle. All of a sudden, your defense is even banged up. It, it It's not a great look. But ultimately, the offense has to step up. And right now, I don't know if they have the horses to do it. Big Ben hasn't looked like Big Ben anymore. Everything, it feels like he's either being dropped. Every run attempt feels like it's for one or two yards. It's Today was weird, too, because Mike Tomlin was asked about the offensive line and basically said, that's not the issue at all. I'm not worried about them. When asked about Big Ben and his ability to complete certain passes, he refused to comment as well. That's weird. You you, you say the offensive line's not the problem and then turn around and say, I'm not going to comment on Big Ben's arm. It kind of feels like when you read between the lines, Mike Tomlin's getting a little bit frustrated too. You even got to see after the loss, Big Ben said, hey, man, if I'm not able to get it done anymore and I'm playing at a low level, I'm going to have to step away from the game of football at the end of the year. We'll see if he holds true, but that should tell you where things are in Pittsburgh. And Yeah, you know what? You brought it up a minute ago when I asked about the most complete team in the NFL, and, man, the Bills are hard to, to argue with outside the Chiefs right now. Defenses look good, and as much as I've like really knocked Josh Allen the last several years, the guy, so, he, he's evolved. His, his arm is getting better. He's more accurate now. Adding Stephon Diggs, and when you add Diggs, it's clear the Bills are an exceptional team right now. So let's see how that goes down the stretch. But yeah, for me, is that wait is that is that you giving me some uh, giving me some cred finally? I don't. Know. I was riding with Josh Allen for a minute. I, see, this is the difference between you and I. I act like I've been there before, so I guess that's the difference. Uh, but yeah, so the, the for your answer your question, I just want recognition. What is so bad with recognition? I'm going to hand the ball to the referee right now, Ab. Um, but the Steelers, they're banged up, and that is. That is, at the end of the day, for me, why you're seeing what they are. I still think the Steelers 
are a team that can shock anybody on a given week, especially if Big Ben plays well. But right now, I mean, dude, you should hear it here in Pittsburgh. The world seems to be melting. All of a sudden, you look up, and if that Browns game goes a different way on Sunday, we might be entertaining the possibility of the Browns getting back into the AFC North race. So I'm almost bummed out that didn't happen just from a dramatics aspect. I'm not going to completely give up on the Steelers right now. You have three weeks to figure it out before the postseason. Let's see if they can get it done. Let's kick it to that Brown and Ravens game. The final game of this week, or as people are pointing it, the Lamar Jackson poop game. Because as you saw, and if you didn't see, you're hearing it here first. Lamar Jackson leaves early in the fourth quarter to go to the locker room to attend to some cramps. Now, when you look at this video of this man running, I I don't see any cramp. I see stiff legs running, no knees bent. And trust me, I've seen this man run. I think we all have. And this man was stiff like a board. He said, no, I had a forearm cramp. My fat, hairy ass. That dude went to poop, came back, let it drive, got Justin Tucker down there to win the game. But, man, absolute game of the year. And it sucks because I fell asleep about halfway through the third quarter. So I really could have seen a, a good game. But the highlights will do it justice. But the Browns are getting no respect on this game. I'll wait for you to toss it back over because I'm going to kind of lay into people here. But what team does this say more about after a game like this? The struggling Ravens or the surging Browns? See, I'm going to cop out and kind of pick right down the middle here. I think that you found a lot out about both teams this weekend. Uh, I think that the Ravens here with Lamar Jackson, I mean, you you lose this game, you're, you're dead in the water. And instead, you go up against a team that has completely turned their year around in the last two months. They've been bullying teams. Their offensive line is the highest graded in the NFL right now. Take that as you will if you don't respect PFF. The the Browns were able to move the ball all night. Baker Mayfield's proving to a lot of people that if you gave up early on him, maybe you should reevaluate your decision. He's finally had a year with stability. He has a seemingly competent head coach finally. I'm excited to see this team going forward. But the Browns, I mentioned it earlier. Man, are they not just the Las Vegas Raiders of the Midwest? Because they have an offense that can score, it feels like, on anybody right now. But that defense could not stop a nosebleed to save their life. What the worst part for that in this game for me was that Trace McSorley was even able to put together a drive to put them down at the 45-yard line when the Browns were up at the end of the game by a point. And Trace McSorley was able to drive them down the field far enough for Lamar when he did come back looking like Willis Reed. He comes in, throws a touchdown pass in the first play. This game was weird all the way around. I think at this point, the Browns are, to me, are a virtual lock for the playoffs. I don't think they'll lose to either of the New York teams, and that'll give them 11 wins. That'll be more than enough. The Ravens, on the other hand, they have to win out down the stretch. They're very capable, too. I think you could see three AFC North teams in the playoffs this year. And I think any single one of them on the right day can pose a problem to anybody in the league. We'll see how that actually plays out in the playoffs because Lamar's never really shown up and that offense has had major issues. And the Browns haven't been in the postseason since 2002-2003. I don't know what really what, what to make of this yet. I think the next three games should be more telling. But for without a doubt for me, it was the game of the year. The last few minutes of that game were insane, just back and forth scoring. Who knows if uh, that last play goes differently to what we're talking about, but that was the worst beat of the entire year for gamblers. You 
You have a lead as a Browns fan with a minute left. Bro, the Ravens, the Ravens kick a field goal to to lead by three. At worst case scenario, you're pushing it plus three, and then the Browns get a safety on the last play of the game. I could not imagine. I'm so happy I didn't have money on this one. But yeah, who did you think this said the most about? So people are not ready to give props to the Browns yet. They've had a couple good games, but they're still not ready to give them them props. People are still holding on to last year Lamar Jackson. But all of a sudden, Lamar Jackson has a game against a team he basically has dominated outside of one game last year. And everyone is back on the Ravens bandwagon. Oh, the Ravens are good. They just beat the Browns. So this is the Browns team that all year you're still not giving credit to because you don't trust them. Yet when the Ravens beat them, everyone's like, oh, well, watch out for the Ravens. Can they beat the Chiefs? Do people forget how fucking horrible they are when they play the Chiefs or even the Titans? No. This game says more about the Browns. When's the last time you've seen a Browns team put up 40 like this and give an effort like this? Yeah, they they ended up losing. But all my Browns fans that are my buddies, they are pumped for this team. Like, they're okay with taking that L because they have not been this confident in a team taking an L like this in a while. And you know what? They're 9-4 and still. And they're still a pretty damn good football team just because they had one bad game. But now all of a sudden the Ravens beat them. Ravens are, you know, you better watch out for the Chiefs here. Now, I saw something here I wanted to bring up from John Costco on Twitter. Lamar's grades, and again, take them for what it's worth. If you're not a pro football-focused person, take it as a grain of salt here. But Lamar's grades versus man coverage in 2020 versus the Browns in 93.5, 94.9 passing, 98, or 88.9 run. Versus anybody else not named the Cleveland Browns. His same grades in the same kind of situations against man. 56.6 overall, 50.3 in the pass, 68.8 on the run. So basically the moral of the story is play man against Lamar Jackson and he struggles. Except if you're not able to contain the quarterback. And then it becomes a problem, which you got to see time and time again on Monday night against the Browns. Sorry to cut you off, Steven. But while we transition, this is something that we have yet to kind of really speak about here, Wally. Coach of the year. Who would be your standout coach of the year right now that you'd pick, but also a dark horse candidate that's kind of sticking in the back of your head? Well, I would say for me, before the last couple of weeks, it would be without a doubt Mike Tomlin. Now with that, unfortunately, uh, last couple of weeks with a couple of losses, I think it might be a little bit more challenging for him to get it. But I would still probably have him be my pick. Brian Flores being another guy, I think, being right in the mix of this right now. Dolphins, everybody thought, including us, were a year away, and they've blown us out of the water with the what they've done this year. It seems like he's pressing all the right buttons, especially at that in the quarterback room, all at the right time. So for me, I would definitely say for it's going to be Mike Tomlin or Brian Flores if it was up to me and I was voting today. I like that. Mike Tomlin, especially after last year where people were really, really pushing hard for him to win it. Ultimately, for him not to, you know, get into the playoffs, which, you know, is hilarious because if this rule was put into place last year, that Steelers team is in the playoffs and potentially could be causing problems. Now, personally, my my coach of the year, I'm going to have to go with the local boy here, Mr. Kevin Stefanski for the Cleveland Browns. The only coach in the past, what, 20 years, probably since Belichick has left. He's the most winningest coach, and he came and turned this franchise around in 
one season. The Browns' fourth quarterback since 2018. They finally have got it right. Now, my dark horse candidate, it's a toss-up. It's the NFC East guys. Between Joe Judge for the New York Giants, who is getting a competitive team with not that talented of a roster. You got Saquon Barkley out. Danny Dimes has been hurt here the last couple weeks. I'm high on Danny Dimes, even though he has a lot of turnovers during his career in New York. But nonetheless, I think Joe Judge has turned chicken shit into chicken salad there a little bit. On the other side, I got the Washington football team, Ron Rivera. That man, first of all, is putting together a great defense led by your guy, Chase Young. He's winning football games. He's in the first place of the NFC East right now. Granted, it's six and seven. He has... But he has the opportunity to have his team end nine and seven. And on top of that, the man is battling cancer, Walter. This dude went into remission mid-season in the middle of a pandemic. And he's doing this and got gotten his guys fighting. I mean, hell, as a defensive player, how would you not want to play for a coach like that or any player on the Washington football team? So that those would, you know, those would be my my two coach of the year. No, those are great picks too. Honestly, I I could see any of those four getting it, and I wouldn't complain at all with any of them. All would be very well deserved. Yeah, Ron Rivera's a badass for what he's going through, and yeah, you're right. If I was a defensive player, who else would I rather play or want to play in front of? Um, but you know what time it is, Stephen? It's a gambling portion of the show. I'm in the P- reason that people listen. Let's be real here. Sure, they like me. Sure, they like you. They like us a lot better for winning the money, though. And, well, and, and luckily here is one of the few states at this point in time to have legalized gambling for sports. So I have the legal FanDuel Barstool Sportsbooks lines, and I'm going to be dropping those while Steven has his bookie and his lines out there. So you might get a little compare contrast with that. But without further ado, you know what time it is. What the hell's going on out here? It's time to gamble. And in our first game here, the Los Angeles Chargers are going to the Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are three-and-a-half-point favorites, and to be frank, the last four days, I have flip-flopped on this repeatedly. Raiders being three-and-a-half-point favorites, it feels like a lot the way these two teams play against each other, but I just am going to pick with my gut that this is a Raiders team that needs it more. They are going to find a way, especially now with the absence of Paul Gunther. I think the defense is going to be fired up to make a statement, but you have to remember the last time these Chargers played the Raiders, Everybody with one second left thought that the Chargers beat the Raiders, including myself. They had the ball at the one or two yard line, throw a goal line fade. It looks like a touchdown. It's reviewed. It's overturned. The Raiders win. But they were that close to beating the, the, I almost said Oakland, the Vegas Raiders. And the Raiders then wouldn't even be in the playoff mix right now. So I think that the Raiders are going to get it done. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them do lose this game. I want to hear what you think, though. Do you think the Raiders are going to win in cover, or are you going more with the Justin Herbert, Anthony Lynn route here? Well, don't put Anthony Lynn in there. That makes the Justin Herbert, you know, less attractive. But I will, I will be going with the over at fifty-three and a half here. Both those defenses love giving up points. You know, even though last week Chargers only gave up seventeen against Matt Ryan and the Falcons, but that's just how dysfunctional that Falcons offense is. I got the over fifty-three and a half here. Raiders defense cannot stop a nosebleed, but I'm also going to go with the Chargers plus three and a half in here. It's a divisional game. If you're going to give me that half point all day, I think the Raiders will win by a field goal ultimately, but I think the Chargers 
will cover. And this is a 38-35 game written all over it. That's why I'm so confident in the over. You're an AFC West guy, so you know the score is a lot better than me. But I'm pretty confident with that over. And the Chargers plus three and a half. The Buffalo Bills are seven-point favorites going to Denver. I am going with the Bills to not only win here, but to cover. I am not very high on Drew Locke, as you guys very well know. You pair that with Buffalo's clicking on all cylinders right now, and Stephen did point to it earlier, and he's right. This is one of the more complete teams in the league. I think all of that being put together, I think you're going to see the Bills win this game by 10 to 14 points, cover pretty comfortably, but without it out win, and they are getting closer and closer to clinching the AFC East title. Steven, who do you got? Buffalo's just on a roll right now. Honestly, outside of the Hale-Murray game, that would have been six in a row that they won you know, this past week. So winners of five of the last six, I think that they are going to be winners of six of, of the last seven. And I think that Buffalo is going to cover the minus seven. You know, this Broncos defense does play pretty tough. But Josh Allen has this offense rolling. Stephon Diggs becoming the first receiver of the 2020 season to reach 100 receptions. And, man, that kid is balling. And I think that they're only going to continue, especially with the confidence lift they that they had after being the Pittsburgh Steelers. Buffalo minus seven, not a question. Carolina is traveling to your Green Bay Packers. So I'm not going to talk too long here. I'm going to let you take it away after I get my pick. I think the Packers are going to win this game, but I think it's tight. It's going to be a lot like that Detroit game last week. Never really feel threatened that the Packers are going to lose, but it will be closer than the eight and a half. So I'm going to have the Packers win. Panthers cover. Packers win by like a touchdown. Yeah, this one is this one is sketchy. I'm always wrong about my own Packers picks. This 8.5 spread is definitely raising my eyebrow. Now, Chris McCaffrey is not playing for the Carolina Panthers. With that being said, I'm going to take Green Bay confidently eight and a half point spread here that secondary is too young and i think aaron Rodgers can exploit them yet depending on how the front seven especially the d-line for the panthers play can really determine that but at the end of the day i think aaron and Devontae are going to have another great game and packers minus eight and a half to go over to the nfc north rivalry match here the some of steven's own rivals here the packers the Bears are going to play the Minnesota Vikings in Minneapolis. The Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think the Vikings do win. I think they cover. You guys know how we feel about the quarterback room in Chicago. Yeah, Jabriskie had a decent week last week, but Minnesota found their identity not long ago. They have a very strong rushing attack, and I think even with how talented that Bears defense is, you're going to see Dalvin Cook have a good game, and I think that the Vikings are going to keep pace and who knows, you'll see later with a pick I have. I think that they're going to get themselves right back in that wild card race with the Arizona Cardinals, but you'll find out more about that later. Vikings win, they cover. Steven, who you got? Yeah, could not agree more with you, Wally. Minnesota minus three and a half. They seem to be rolling right now, and they're facing a division foe in the Chicago Bears, who they have already beaten 19 to 13 here earlier in the season. But I'm more confident in, in Minnesota offensively than I would be in Chicago offensively especially at the quarterback's position. That was where the asterisk is. David Montgomery is a great running back, but Dalvin Cook obviously is going to be way better. This is actually going to be a fun divisional matchup. I got Minnesota minus three and a half. I would wait for this to drop to an even three, potentially a minus two and a half for Minnesota. But hell, even now I'd take them three and a half. Now Detroit is going to Tennessee to face the Titans. They are 10 and a half points favored in this game. 
I think that they're right. I think the Titans are going to win. I think they're going to win easily in this game. So they will cover. This is a game that I think Derrick Henry is going to run down Detroit's throat simply because Detroit really doesn't have much to play for. And at this point of the year, you're out of the playoffs. The last thing I want to do is get in front of a six foot three, 250-pound, 22-mile-an-hour bowling ball. And I think that you're going to see Derrick Henry run it down Detroit's throat, shorten the game, win easily, and cover. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Detroit, 28th overall defense, 28th ranked rushing defense, 26th ranked passing defense. I have no confidence in this defense or this team in general. I think Derrick Henry, like you said, is going to have another huge game. Wouldn't be surprised if he duplicates what he did against Jacksonville last week. Ten and a half feels like a breeze. I take the chance on waiting to see if that's going to drop to an even ten or even a nine and a half or an even nine. But I'm even feeling confident right now with Derrick Henry leading this team, that 10.5 is going to be essentially a three-point spread for this offense against this porous Detroit Lions defense. Now to the team, the Titans are facing off with to, to figure out who is going to win the AFC South. Houston's going to Indianapolis to, travel to, Col- to play the Colts. The Colts are seven-point favorites. I think the Colts will win this game, but coming off a difficult game, or not necessarily difficult because they did beat the Raiders up in the fourth quarter to make it not as close, but a game that the Colts had their entire season on the line. It's a little bit of a letdown game here. Now, I think they, like I said, they do win, but I think that you're going to see Deshaun Watson have a little bit of a better week. They're going to keep it close, and it's going to come down to it, but I think the Colts do manage to win and keep pace with Tennessee right at the top of the AFC South. Indianapolis Colts minus seven. You know, they lost to that that same Tennessee Titans team that we were just talking to prior, but they just put a two-game win streak in here. They're playing the Texans this week, potentially can extend that to three. And getting that team rolling, this defense is a matchup problem regardless of who they are playing. This week playing the Texans, they beat them, what, two weeks ago, 26-20. to 20. I don't see even being that close. I think this team is finally riding that high after that Raiders game. And I got the Colts minus seven here. I don't really think that's going to be a problem for them to cover, honestly. Jacksonville, in a season that they wish to forget, they're 1-12, their only win coming in week one. Lost 12 straight. They're traveling to Baltimore now. No reason to be there. Baltimore now, they're coming off a big win against Cleveland. They're 13.5-point favorites. This is kind of interesting where I think that Baltimore is going to have a little bit of a lackadaisical performance. I think they win. I don't think there's ever a doubt that they they are going to win. But I do think it's closer than 13 and a half. That's still an NFL team over there in Jacksonville. I think that they cover, but Baltimore is going to win this game easily. I just think that it's going to leave you wondering yet again, like we've seen so many times this year of Baltimore, like what's missing? Why can't we just see them clicking at full s- speed on both sides of the ball? But they win. They win easily, just not cover. See, I think that they are going to cover easily. You think that they win easily but not cover? I'm going to be quite the opposite. I think a game like they had last week against the Browns is really going to be a confidence builder within that locker room. You know, they weren't able to put up points. You got the Steelers, they put up 14. They can never get past the Titans. The, the Patriots, they only put up 17. But then they beat the Colts You know, the week before that. This team is still trying to struggle to find its identity when they thought that they had the identity locked in last year. and But now they're realizing that the NFL has caught up to Lamar Jackson and that you're going to have to attack these teams a little bit differently. I think a game like they just had with the Browns, even coupled up with 
the domination that they had against the Cowboys. I think this is going to be that Browns game is a game that you can build on, especially when you're playing the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals to end the season. These are all confidence boosters that's going to get this team very high on themselves by the time the January games hit. I think 13 and a half is going to be easy for them. Even though Jacksonville has been very competitive here, I think Jacksonville kind of blows it on here, and this defense blows the game wide open for Baltimore. Now, this next game is a lot of fun for me just because I feel like in every year in the last 10, 15 years or so, the rules have been reversed. It feels like New England's at the point of the season where they have the division all wrapped up or they're at least competing for it or they're competing for seeding. And then they go to Miami and a bad or an underachieving Miami Dolphins team has stunned the Patriots and beat them and not derailed the Patriots season, but may have cost them something important for the postseason run. I think this could be the exact opposite here. The Dolphins are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home at Hard Rock. I think that the Patriots are actually going to go in there, and I think they're going to win this game. And it might end up being the nail in the coffin for Miami to get into the playoffs, and that this might be the end of the line for the Miami Dolphins in their 2020 playoff hopes. Steven, do you think that that's possible, or are you going to ride with two uh, Brian Flores and the Dolphins here and take them and cover the two-and-a-half? I'm taking Tua, Flores, and the boys in the teal. You know, around this same time last year, well, December 29th to be exact, this Miami team went into Foxborough and gave then a Tom Brady-led team a fat L, fucking up all their seating for the playoffs. This year, you have New England coming down to you with them potentially fucking up your playoff seating and possibly even getting a berth for the playoffs. But I think Miami is going to be ready. That two and a half, I'll take that all day. Two and a half for a divisional game. I I will always see divisional games as field goal to touchdown games. But this game, a Miami-New England game, where the competition is seemingly equal almost, I'm going to go with the Dolphins minus two and a half. They're going to get on a, you know, they're going to put this game in here, put some pressure on the Bills. And next week is potentially going to be fun with the closing two games. And with the Bills and Dolphins playing, I believe, next week as well. Now, that really is one of the, the more fun games of the year, and we have to transition to a meaningless and a boring game here, but San Francisco is a three-point road favorite going to Dallas. I am riding with Kyle Shanahan purely on him and the fact that Dallas's defense is so bad that I'm going to take the, the 49ers to win and cover this game. I can see it going either way. This, this is two uninspired teams at this point. Good for Kyle Shanahan for being able to get what he has gotten out of that team as banged up as they are. I just don't trust Dallas's offense. I don't think they're able to keep it close enough. 49ers win the cover. The 49ers have more stars on their defensive line than the, the Dallas Cowboys have on their whole defense. And those stars for the Niners are out of this game. That's how bad this Cowboys defense is that you were alluding to where I'm still going to take the Niners. Nick Mullins is going to have a day on that Dallas defense, and I don't think that they're going to have an answer offensively. Zeke, maybe. That Niners defense is still quietly a top-seven rushing defense without Nick Bosa and even Solomon Thomas and even a couple other linebackers in their front seven, and they're still going to be a top-rushing defense. Dallas doesn't give me any motivation, any confidence to pick them. San Francisco minus three. I think that this is the lock of the week, and I'd be putting a lot of money on this. Seattle is five and a half point favorites going to Washington to face Ron Rivera and that Washington football team. 
this is a little bit of a tricky matchup where I could see Washington even win this game outright. It's ultimately going to come down to this. Is Washington's offense able to do anything against what has been an underachieving and bad Seahawks defense for most of this year? I don't think they're able to do nearly enough. I think Seattle's able to score enough points that they will be able to win and cover to five and a half in this game. But we'll see. Weird dynamic, but this one to me, I'm taking the low or the under in this. Imagine it's probably mid to low 40s. I'm so mind blown, you know, feeding off the Ron Rivera dark horse candidate that I was telling you about. He's got this Washington, this Washington football team as the fourth overall defense. And I'm interested. We, we just saw Seattle kind of choke a little bit against the Giants here, which is a similar built team. But I think defensively, the upper hand goes to the Washington football team. And you got Seattle traveling across country. We've got a Washington to a Washington. And regardless if there's fans in the stands or there's not, Seattle will never play good ball on the road. And another thing that will always stick out to me is how teams will perform the week after having a huge game or even having a letdown game. So they have a letdown game against the Giants. Then they go and play the Jets. And absolutely spanked them. Now, how are you going to now? How are you going to react? Have a practice for the next week and play against this Washington football team, which, granted, way better than the Jets team that you faced, and arguably a little bit better than the Giants team that you faced. Washington defensive line against the Seattle offensive line is going to be the biggest takeaway from this. And you know what? I'm going to go. I I put a lot of money on the over on the sacks line. Tampa Bay is a six point favorite going to Atlanta to play Matt Ryan and the Falcons. This is a game where I've kind of got like kind of a weird feeling where I think either the Buccaneers are going to blow out and dominate the Atlanta Falcons here, or you could see the Falcons inexplicably play a tight game that gives the Buccaneers fits and could even have a chance to win late. I'm going to go with the former, though. I do think that the Bucs get right. I think that it's going to be a strength-on-strength matchup between a offense for Matt, or with the Falcons that, in theory, should put up a lot of points. Defense for the Bucs have been helping keep the Buccaneers' offense when they've been struggling in games. I'm going to go with the Bucs' defense there. Tom Brady has a get-right game in his own right. They win. I think they win big. I'm taking the Buccaneers' win and cover. Yeah, Tom Brady bouncing back after a very subpar performance here last week against an Atlanta team that is just, is just itching to take an L. This secondary and this defense overall for Atlanta has not proved anything that they can do anything except if they're playing against Wally's Las Vegas Raiders, which is very sad. Tampa Bay minus six all day. I think Todd Brady's going to light up that secondary, show him what this dream team of his receiving core is actually able to do. And then we'll go on from, from next week. But for this week, minus six, absolutely. The New York Jets going to Los Angeles to face the Rams. Very similar line, very similar opponent that they faced last week. They got killed. The Rams are 17-point favorites at home. I expect more of the same. I think they're going to win in Rams defense. Jets' entire team is bad. I think that they are going to keep them very low scoring in this game. You're going to see the Rams win a 35-6 to kind of game. Just ugly. Rams proving that they're a legit Super Bowl threat yet again in the Jets' Unfortunately, get down after this game to only two chances left to avoid becoming an infamous member of the 0-16 in winless franchises in football. Only two 0-16 teams and then only one other 0-14 team way back. So I think, like I said, Rams win big. 
So, fun fact: I have a I have a group of buddies, three of them, that live in a house together. One is a Browns fan, one is a Lions fan, and the other is a Jets fan. So, I have the opportunity of potentially having a house full of my buddies that have all had teams that have gone zero and sixteen. And it's all within the past decade. And a little bit more, obviously. What, past 15 years? But still, that is outrageous. What are the chances that, A, we're going to see all those teams happen in our lifetime? And, B, I have a group of friends that represents each of those teams. And they all live together. But, yeah, the New York Jets are an absolute shit show of a football team. I'm not even going to touch the spread on here. I think I have finally learned my lessons on huge spreads because I never hit on them. But I'm going to go with the over. It's set at 43 and a half here. I think that the Jets could potentially squeak away two field goals. I don't know. At least one field goal missed the other. And I think the Rams are going to put up minimum, minimum 45, 40 to 45 points. I think that the Rams could could win this over by themselves. Depending on Jared Goff wants to play, maybe he has a couple turnovers. Not out of character for him. I'm going to go with the over 43 and a half, and I'll let you ride with Wally in the minus 17 if you'd like. For me, this next game here is going to be my big upset of the week. I have to pick the hated city of Philadelphia here to win. They're six and a half point dogs. They're going to Arizona. Both of these teams, now with the way Jalen Hurts has gone the last several weeks, you can see that they're kind of built very similarly, where they both depend on their quarterback to get going with their legs, and that's going to help open up the passing game in its own right. I just think that right now I'm going to go with Doug Peterson, him and his 11-2 record with backup quarterbacks. I think Jalen Hurts does enough to to steal this one and get themselves immediately right back in the thick of it in the NFC East. Then all of a sudden, watching a lot going into following weeks to make sure Washington does eventually get another loss. If it doesn't come on, on Sunday, that is. So, Stephen, what do you have? Do you think that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have a shot to win this game? Or are you going to ride high with Kyler Murray? Well, I, I put all my confidence into Jalen Hurts last week, so I, I just can't simply do it here this week. That Arizona defense has to practice against Kyler Murray every day, and Jalen Hurts is a worse version of that. I think, especially when you're going out to the desert, there's a difference between playing a, your first NFL game at home versus playing it on the road. Now, this is going to be his first career start on the road in the desert in Arizona. This Arizona team is hard, you know, to put your finger on. Like, which team are we going to get this this week? Now, when Arizona's on, they are on. When they're off, they are very off. But when they're on, they win games in bunches. You've never seen them lose one, win one, lose one. It's always in streaks. So that's the only consistent thing of this team. They either win consistently or they lose consistently. So I'm going to pick them winning this one, minus six, against your boys, the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Now, going to another team I can't stand. But, unfortunately, arguably the best team in the, the NFL right now, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're three-point favorites going to New Orleans. New Orleans activated Drew Brees off IR this week, so you would assume that we will be seeing him in this game. Kansas City in this game, I'm going to take minus three. I think that this is a game that it's going to have a playoff feel to it. And I think because of that playoff field, you're going to see the Chiefs offense clicking early and often in this game. The Saints are going to get points, but I just simply think that the Chiefs are going to score almost, not at will, but they're going to score quite a bit in this game. Saints defense is good, but I just think the Chiefs are too much for it. It's probably the game I'm probably putting the second most amount of money on this week. 
I'm going to take the, the Chiefs to win big. Who knows? A lot of playoff implications on both ends. I hope I'm wrong. Steven, please tell me that you have the Saints. I don't think you do, but tell me you do. You know I'm not going to take the Saints. This is this is all because of my Packers fandom. So, first off, this is finally a Kansas City line that I can agree with. I've been riding with Kansas City opponents on their spread, but this is finally one I can, I can like. I think Pat Mahomes is going to light up this New Orleans Saints team. Yeah, they can shut down Tommy Brady and those boys, but they can't even shut down Jalen Hurts and those boys. There's just no confidence. And like I've been alluding to this whole episode, this Saints team has not played fully healthy together since week one. Mike Thomas has been out of the lineup. Drew Brees has been out of the lineup. And they have not consistently played together. So having all of their core back for this game, I don't think is necessarily a good thing because they're not their timing is all going to be off. Drew Brees is still very, very injured. I don't care. You have a collapsed lung. You have broken ribs. It's a lot worse when you're 40 and 40 plus. There's no way Drew Brees is going to be the same Drew Brees. And I still think that he is one hit away from Chandler Jones to being on the bench and having Taysom Hill again. Kansas City minus three, mostly because I think it's going to happen. And the other side is because I need it to happen for Green Bay to solidify the number one seed in the NFC. Well, I hope that they do solidify for you. I just hope it's not the Chiefs that do it. That's the that's the problem here. But I think it, you're right. I think it does happen that way. Now, this next game, we're going to go more towards the people in Cleveland. Cleveland, you're a four-and-a-half-point favorite going against and going to play the New York football Giants. This is a trap game, man. This feels like a game that Cleveland, you had that really big game last week. You've had this giant stretch. You lose one. The Giants need this game. They desperately need this game to keep pace and potentially retake the first spot with several weeks left against the Washington football team. I think the the Browns do win, but I do think that it's going to be a last possession kind of game one way or another. The Giants are going to cover. I wouldn't be shocked at all that we come back next week and we see the Giants had one and you're going to see Cleveland fans in a panic because that's what they do. Either way, I think that the Browns will make the playoffs. But this game, this game's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch next weekend. But I am going to take the Browns to win Giants cover. Couldn't agree more. I think this game is going to be very fun. Obviously, you know, leading up into last week, this game looked a lot better. But the Giants shitting the bed against the Cardinals. We don't know what to expect. But this Browns O-line, which is very solid versus this Giants D-line, top you know, what, top five, top six in the league. That's going to be very fun. We'll see how Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt want to play because that has this game written all over it because the Giants surprisingly have a decent secondary. But that being said, I'm going to go with the Giants plus four and a half strictly because of what the spread is. This game is a field goal written all over it. Unless this drops to even three or below, I'm riding with the Giants all day on this. That is going to be a fun, surprising matchup. And like you said, this could throw this game could throw a lot of Brownies fans into a panic or it can skyrocket them right back into the realization that they actually have a football team. I have the Giants plus four and a half. I'm sorry, Brownies fans, but I'm just being realistic. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, this game could have had a lot more uh, division implications anyways had they held on against the Ravens this last week, but they didn't, which means – the Steelers are likely going to win the AFC North this next week when they do play the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football. It's amazing to me that we can't flex out Monday Night games because this is a game, yeah, a few weeks ago with Joey Burrow healthy. I would have liked to see 
but no one's looking forward to seeing this. I told you guys that the second most money I'm going to put on a game this week is going to be Kansas City against New Orleans. It's because the most money I'm putting on a game is Cincinnati to, to lose and not cover. I'm taking Pittsburgh to win and cover. I made that confusing. I am taking the Steelers to win and cover to 12 and a half easily. This is going to be a really hard one to watch if you're a Bengals fan. I know the Steelers defense is banged up, but the Bengals are going to struggle to score points. Uh, this is all I can say is that if you are watching this game as a Bengals fan, you're thinking of April. You're thinking of the offensive line you're going to surround Joey Burrow with. Just take your lashes right now because it's going to hurt and it's not going to be fun. But that's what bad teams that have to get better have to go through. And unfortunately, you're at that stage right now. Steelers win. They cover. They are AFC North champs. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any outside of ACL tears to Big Ben, Juju, Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, Chase Claypool, and their entire offensive line. I do not see the Pittsburgh Steelers not covering this game. Twelve and a half. Yeah, against a division opponent where Big Ben is, if I'm if I'm uh, not mistaken, fifty nine and one, fifty wins, nine losses, one tie. If I sound confusing on there. Big Ben owns this state. I don't I don't see anything that's going to be different here. This Bengals defense is absolutely embarrassing. I think Big Ben and that offense has a bounce back game and kind of answers some questions that people were kind of skeptical about these last couple of weeks and their losses. And that's going to bring us to the end, the end of the gambling section. Before we dip out, though, I had a really fun story that just popped across uh, my timeline here. Detroit Lions center Frank Ragnow. This man suffered a fractured throat in the first quarter of Sunday's loss to the Green Bay Packers. And this man played the whole game. How the fuck do you fracture a throat? I didn't think you could. Yeah, I've seen Roadhouse before with the spinning rip your throat out thing. That's kind of what I envision when I hear this. And you, you simply can't play without a throat. So I don't know how that happens. That's a that's a crazy story. Shows how these guys are warriors and yeah, we give them shit for missing time. It's because they're modern day gladiators. The stuff they go through, we can't physically comprehend. Especially the linemen. Linemen are psychopaths. They're psychopaths. If that puts any perspective, I only I only played high school ball and all my friends think I'm psychopaths. So imagine if I continued that. Imagine how fucking crazy these people are. But while you're sitting on that, you can do that for the next week because that wraps up here. Another episode of Loss of Down. I'm glad to be back, Wally. I know that you're loving having me back. I do. I don't have to toss it to you to, to ask for it, but I am your host, Stephen Weed. He is Walter Lukashensky. Do you have any last final thoughts for us, bud? Thing real quick. There was a story I remember 10 years ago of a high school offensive lineman who had a broken fingy or <laughs> a broken fingy, a broken pinky, and he wasn't allowed to play because really when you're a high school, you're, you really don't have that much say in things. So he was not going to play in the state playoff game, decided to amputate his own finger instead. These guys are lunatics. Offensive linemen always have a screw loose. But last other thing, Ohio State, I just need him to stay healthy this weekend, get this game in. I want to come back next week, them healthy in the playoffs and telling everybody to deal with it with their bitching. Ohio State belongs there. That's all I really have to say about that. And you can always check us out on Facebook, Loss of Down, on Twitter, at Down underscore Loss, and of course on Instagram, 
I lost them down. I know that we're uh, kind of dropping the ball on getting a lot of our media, social media presence there, but don't worry. We're going to have a lot of downtime here in the near future, and we're going to be bothering the shit out of you guys. So if you guys are annoyed by me blasting you guys on my on my uh, timeline as well as Wally, you're only going to be more annoyed by it. Like I said, he is Walter Lukashensky. I am Steven Weed. Until next week, listen to Spotify, Anchor.fm, and Apple Music. That's where we'll be streaming. And we're looking forward to having you here next week with a little bit more cash in your pocket. Ohio State over Northwestern by 20 is a lot.